We're gonna shake things up. Dave, Penny's going on the block. You're my first call. Because he's making the rest of the team look bad. He's gonna be a rookie of the year, you know. Probably an all-star. He's an all-star, Dave. No, I want a reliever in cash. Okay. You got five minutes, Dave. I'm not waiting. Billy, Pena is an all-star, okay? And if you dump him and this Hatterberg thing doesn't work out the way that we want it to, you know this is, this is the kind of decision that gets you fired. It is. Yes, you're right. I may lose my job. In which case, I'm a 44-year-old guy with a high school diploma and a daughter I'd like to be able to send to college. You're 25 years old with a degree from Yale and a pretty impressive apprenticeship. I don't think we're asking the right question. I think the question we should be asking is, do you believe in this thing or not? I do. It's a problem you think we need to explain ourselves. Don't. To anyone. Okay. Now I'm going to see this thing through for better or worse. Welcome in, everybody. Welcome in to... Uh, episode whatever it is, 675 of the uh, <laughs> Race to the Kingdom podcast. Uh, your friends Keith and Robert are here again, as always. And uh, we started off a little differently here. And, you know, a little Billy Ball uh, to start the episode. This is uh, the next episode in our uh, series of uh, on living the kingdom life. And Keith. Say hi and and tell me or tell our listeners what does Billy Ball have to do with uh, with living the kingdom life, my friend? Yeah. So, hey guys, uh, I my wife actually got to meet Billy Bean um, and listen to him give a motivational speech, which was which was really cool, and she enjoyed that. But the idea of what we're talking about right now in the race to the kingdom is, you know, what are the motivations? What are the motivations to run a faithful race? And do we believe in it or not? And so that was a very pivotal point in the movie Moneyball, uh, where they're making some dramatic changes to the ball club that make zero sense to everybody else. Okay. Yeah, they're and, dumping a, an all-star yeah. rookie, all-star pitcher for a reliever and some cash, right? He's like, dude, this is this is this this, <laughs> this is dumb, right? We we shouldn't do this. Yeah, and and you know the whole movie is based on um, you know Bill James and mathematics, and the way to run a ball club is you know completely different than what baseball is used to. And so the idea of shaking things up and taking chances and taking risks in this new philosophy would cost them their job. You know, if it didn't work out, it's going to cost cost them their livelihood. Right. And so Jesus presents the same thing to us. Um, he presents an opportunity and we're going to we're going to go into 
this great exchange mentality. So, you know, he had called out his disciples, you know, do you, have you counted the cost of what it means to be my disciple? Are you ready to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow after me and, and make the great exchange of your life? Peter, are you going to continue fishing for fish or do you love me? Peter, do you love me? So come back to the calling that I have given you to fish for men. And so it, it's a choice that we have to make every day. And so as we're going through the parables of motivation, Jesus presented three of them about his kingdom. And mm -hmm. um, we're presenting those as the three greatest motivations to recognize, to race well in the kingdom. And so we have a couple verses that we wanted to share with you on what it means to make the great exchange, you know, Lord, not my life, but your life, right? Mm -hmm. The life that you want me to live. And so Paul made this, Paul, Paul recognized this great exchange in his life. And so in, in the book of we're Acts, to, we're going to Acts. Yep. All right. Yeah. That is that button. In the book of Acts, we have a verse that we wanted to quote um, from chapter 20. So, um, Robert, if you'll yeah. quote those. Uh, Acts 20, 24, 25. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, I know that none of you among whom... I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare today, or I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim that to you the whole will of God. Yeah, so the main point is made in verse 24, yeah. where Paul accounts his life as nothing, so that he may finish the race that he's been given the ministry that he's been given. And so he realizes the great exchange. And so of course, who is our greatest example and forerunner that is the one who has run his race faithfully is of course, our Lord Jesus Christ, who we are to emulate as well. And so the book of Philippians, we just wanted to take you over there as the apostle Paul, tells us something about Jesus. He tells us something about his life in chapter two, starting in verse five. I figure um, he wants us to have a mindset. So I figured I'd read uh, this passage real quick. Okay. So starting in verse five, he says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself. And by taking the form of a servant, which is what our topic is, how Jesus made himself a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death, death on a cross. Therefore, so we looked at the incentive to make the great exchange. Jesus did it. 
he became a servant. Now what's the great payoff? Here comes the great payoff. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and has bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord the glory of, to, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, so whenever you see the word therefore, always know what it's there for. My beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So again, you also, you know, have been called. You also can be like Jesus. You have to, though, change your mind and make the great exchange. And so this is the incentive that Paul is giving to the church. Mm -hmm. And so we will now go back to um, our our parable and talk about the parable of the talents. And so when, yeah. So when we look at the parable of the talents, we just got through with our episode about the wise virgins. Mm -hmm. So our very first motivation was intimacy with God. The mm -hmm. idea of, you know, being completely sold out, even in the hidden places of our life. The places that are not um, showy, they're not in front of man, they're in your quiet time, complete heartfelt devotion to God. And that was our first incentive. And the motivation was, is that the wise virgin, was they were given an opportunity to come through the open door that Jesus provided to the wedding ceremony. Right. Effectively, so, they invested in oil, right? In this, in this case, it was called oil, but they invested in a relationship with God. And yeah. he knew them when it was time to invite them in, right? And exactly. the ones who did not invest and had to go back and purchase oil, he did not, I do not know you, right? That's right away from me. And so that investment in that relationship is what that was all about, right? The, that investment in dating my, a, a woman that I think I might want to marry. And, you know, yeah. so I've got to yeah. invest me yeah. in getting to know her and her getting to know me. It's that same investment in, in the wise virgin, in, in us and in Christ, Christ gets to know us. We get to know Christ, right? So now we're yeah, going to really if if we had to specify one quality of sacrifice to our life for that it would be time yeah. time spent with God mm -hmm. and 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 now we're moving into the parable of the uh, servants or the the stewards mm -hmm. and the sacrifice is really equated to a talent and so the talent was a form of wage one talent um uh, equaled probably a year's wage and so it was quite valuable and so the parable of the servants is you know jesus gave us something incredibly valuable 
right? Mm -hmm. He gave us his Holy Spirit that manifests these amazing gifts so that the church might be built up into his image, might become a holy temple for him to dwell, right? And so this is of great value to God. This is the greatest value. And so we want you to make sure that you equate this value to the talent that the servant is being called on right here to understand his service. Here's your service. You become a servant, you make the great exchange, and you sacrifice your life in order to serve by building up the church. And we're going to look at that as it plays out in other areas of the Bible. But the idea is that there's a great payoff as well, just like we read in Philippians. And that great payoff is well done, good and faithful servant. You have proven faithful in a little, so I will give you more. So again, he incentivizes us just like Jesus was incentivized to run his race faithfully and give up his life. And now the father gave him the name that is above all names and gave him a kingdom. So it's the same with us. It's the exact same offer. And so we're going to look at this in some other areas. So, um, Robert, do you have some of the other passages that yeah. we want to go over? Uh, we'll slide on our website, here. We, have some, we have some Greek understanding of the words here mm -hmm. that you can look up. And so that you can understand what it means to be a servant, a bond slave of God, yep. much different than a Roman slave. So that's an important understanding. Yeah, and it's there's uh, there's something we talked about pre-show that I wanted to I wanted to make sure we covered. It was a, one of the things about uh, being a a slave in Jewish tradition. Every seven years, the slaves were freed, right? And and. A Jew did not have another Jew as a slave. They had them as a servant, but not as a slave. And that was, um, you know, other cultures, other Canaanites and Edomites, and those people were were turned into slaves. But a Jew never held another Jew as a slave. Correct? Yeah, yeah. So, so slavery was either a forced form of slavery, or it was a dualos form of slavery, which mm -hmm. a dual purpose of a bond slave was either to, you know, have a great need that another landowner, another master could provide for you because your field was not producing, your family was suffering, mm -hmm. and you became his servant on, on his land in order to reap the wages and benefits and blessings of his land. And, and so there was a payoff yeah. into doing that. And then there is the other dual form of bond slave where you willingly understand that, you know what? My master has already given me something of great value. And so I'm indebted to him because I love what he's already done for me. And so I'm going to serve him. Yeah. And so you have both motivations, right? Jesus died for us. 
I am so thankful that he died for me that I am going to serve him uh, with my life and I'm going to love him back. And then the other is, hey, you know what? He's the landowner. I need his blessings. He's offering inheritance. He's offering these blessings in the kingdom to come. And so I'm motivated in order to receive his wages as a bond slave. Yeah, so this the uh, this the second tier under the word studies, you know, the used with the highest dignity in the New Testament, namely of believers who willingly live under Christ's authority as his devoted followers. That's really what we're talking about. And and the way that that was indicated in in ancient times was you know, if you were freed at your seven years, because it was the law that all servants or all slaves are freed every seven years, but you chose to stay, you indicated your willingness to stay by having your earlobe nailed to the door jam of the, of the, of the, of the house that you were, you were willing to stay at, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, this was, this was, this was, this showed a, you know, this showed a, a, a real serious commitment, right? This was, this wasn't something that was just, uh, well, you know, you treat me nice and I'm, you know, this is not an employment situation, right? Uh, where, well, if you, if you decide that, you know, I, I decide that I don't want to, you know, work for you anymore, that I'm going to move on to something else. When you, when you nailed your earlobe to the door jam, you made a commitment that that i mean it, we don't go and go oh yeah i'll take that job here's my earlobe let's nail it to the door jam of you know of ibm right <laughs> we, we don't do yeah. that maybe 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 we're missing out on these rituals robert because <laughs> you know there, there was some there, there was some really significant understandings of commitment back in that day Right, and, and so, and, and I, I say all this because that really emphasizes the kind of commitment that God is looking for in our execution as His servant, right? Exactly, and and I would just go even a step further since we already talked about the virgins, and we didn't make this point with them, but the marriage covenant. Um, we, 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 we hold a marriage today in a very, very different way, uh, than they did in the Bible. Yeah. It's so convenient. It's convenient now. It was, yeah. it was a lifetime. Yeah. You're, you're, you're nailing, <laughs> you're nailing another part to the door jam. Uh, well, again, what you said about the, the servant. Uh, applies to the marriage contract in a different way. You're not nailing your ear anymore. But when, when God presented the marriage contract to Abraham, Mm -hmm. he cut open a line of animals where their guts and their blood spilt all together from either side of a trail. And the Mm -hmm. whole trail was filled with the blood of these animals and, and to walk through it, to walk through the trail of blood sealed the marriage covenant. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it was the same thing um, when mm-hmm. a family committed their daughter or their son in marriage and they made a blood covenant 
for that marriage, saying that, you know, we give up our lives to make sure that your marriage stays its course. Yeah. Okay. And, and again, it's what Jesus did for us. So he gave up his blood to form a covenant of marriage saying to us that, you know, this is sealed in my blood. Okay. Now you have a opportunity to also understand that commitment. Right. And you have an opportunity to live in the same committed way. Okay. And, and this is an opportunity. This is, you know, even, even Hebrews chapter 12, you have not uh, resisted sin to the point of shedding your own blood mm-hmm. is, is said in, I think, 12, four. So the understanding and it is to the race, you know, in your race, uh, like Jesus, looking to the author and perfecter of your faith, resist sin even to the point of shedding your own blood because of the covenant that he is offering you. Yeah. It's worth it, right? Yeah. It's worth it. Yeah. And, and I rolled back up here to the to the actual parable. And we when we look at, hey, you know, the, the he gave his most talented servant because it says, you know, here that uh, – they were given each a uh, giving a uh, given a, an amount of gold according to their ability. So when he looked at his most talented, when he gave him five bags of gold, you know, and he and he brought back another five bags of gold, right? That wasn't you know today. That's like well, he invested it in, in you know in something or you know he you know, to bring back another five bags of gold took a tremendous amount of work. Yeah, right to yeah. bring back get two and to bring back two more took again a, a tremendous amount of work right maybe yep. the fr- maybe the first guy was an amazing tent maker or you know had some skill set that you know that was that was super valuable in those days right and he invested in materials and then and then used his talent to to use those materials in a way that he was able to double his master's money. The second slave, same thing, or the second servant, same thing, right? Maybe less talented. He's, he's, he's much better at whatever it is, carpentry or whatever was still valuable, but, but not as valuable as whatever the first ones was. This is where the ability thing comes in. But, and then the last one, he didn't use his talent to do anything. He did other than to dig a hole and make sure that he didn't, you know, and bury the money so they didn't lose it. They didn't put forth any real effort. Right. And I think that's to me, that's the that's the that's the foundation, the crux of this is that, you know, who who has been given much, much is expected, who has been given a little, you know, a little is expected, but something is expected. And that's living the kingdom life. Right. I mean, that's and that's where we're going to go with this. Yeah, that's our motivation. That, yeah. that certainly is. It's very much like uh, the Philippians verse that we read, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So the the servant didn't understand that, that sat on the talent and didn't use it. So he, he was afraid in the wrong way. He didn't have the proper fear of God in order to go out and risk his own reputation in using the talent 
And what we want to identify right now, and we're going to use um, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 4, which uh, um, is it is an important understanding of what these talents were meant for. So the what God cares about is not putting physical money in a physical bank, okay? Not using physical money to make more physical money. That's very, very clear in the Bible that uh, he didn't put us on earth to make money. Um, although that concept can work in our earthly lives, it's still meant for building up his kingdom, uh, eternal things. And so the, the call to use the Holy Spirit's gifts, the talents, the costs that we have been given to manifest the Holy Spirit for building up the church is 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 4. It says, read that, uh, Robert. Yeah. Pursue, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may have prophecy. For one who speaks in the tongue, in a tongue, speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophecies, who prophecies speak to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. The one who speak, who prophecies builds up the church. All right. So we have a, we have an understanding here that, that the church assembly, if they were meant to love one another, mm -hmm. they were meant to build up each other and conform one another to the image of Jesus Christ, because we are his temple that needs to be holy, needs to be sanctified, needs to be set apart for God. And so this is the purposes of God. And so a servant needs to be involved in performing those activities. And this is not, and I will repeat this over and over again, this is not the responsibility of the clergy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Clergy is not even in the Bible. Okay. The gift of eldership is just a gift. And that is the gift of overseeing and making sure that doctrine is protected. Everybody has a role to play in building up the church. And that's the whole point that Paul makes, right? Yeah. The whole point in first Corinthians 12 in, in Ephesians four, everything that, that talks about the gifts and the purposes of those gifts and every member's responsibility. And for this particular statement that Paul is making, is he's saying, hey, listen, you guys are priding yourself on speaking in tongues, okay? The gift that uh, a lot of people don't understand, okay? And you don't know the purpose in which that was given. He says, I'm asking you to speak in a language that everyone can understand so that everybody is built up in their faith. So, so this is the whole reason why we are to speak prophecy, which means proclaiming. Mm -hmm. We're proclaiming truth. We're proclaiming Christ's teachings. We're understanding doctrine so that we can apply it to our lives. And this is the reason why we are to assemble. Uh, and for that purpose alone, this is, this is the goal of the church. And so, so, um, yeah. So if we were to, if we were to try to throw a kind of an analogy around this, I mean, if, so if, if, 
if you and I were sitting here doing this podcast in Latin, that would make a whole bunch of Catholic uh, uh, priests pretty happy because for the most part, they all understand Latin and, and we could talk in, in Latin and they'd be super happy about it. But you and I are sitting here trying to talk to everyone. And if we could produce this in Spanish or Swahili or whatever the other languages are that I know nothing about, uh, we would do that too, right? Uh, because yeah. we're trying to, you know, bring in and, and break this down for, for, for the church, for everyone, not for the corporate industrial or the Christian industrial complex leadership. Um, although we really hope they look at this, uh, but yeah, for, absolutely. for my friend Noah and my friend Ward and my friend, uh, Jim, right. Yeah. And, and really the, the, the tongue, the whole tongue issue in the church had two facets to it. And one of the facets was almost like Harry Potter's, uh, parcel tongue. You know, it was just the spirit's language, just the spirit's language. Nobody understood except for the person being spoken to. Mm. And and then there was the manifestation of the spirit in speaking the tongue of the surrounding cultures. So that's what happened in Pentecost. Pentecost, everybody spoke in oh, a yeah. tongue that the culture could understand. Yeah. And they recognized that they were speaking their language and they knew it was a work of God. Mm. So there are two applications, actually, in this particular in the assembly application was not speaking in a cultural language. It was speaking in a parcel tongue, a language of the spirit that nobody could understand unless you had an interpreter. So that idea of saying, hey, listen, do you have another supernatural interpreter who can, can understand parcel tongue? Okay. And, and that's the idea that Paul's saying. He's saying, hey, listen, let, I, I'd prefer to utter two words that people can understand rather than a whole list of affluent parcel tongue that no one can understand. No one can understand. And yeah. so, yeah. Mm. And so, yeah, a very interesting application, but <laughs> for us and, and how this plays out, we want you to understand that a true servant of God, okay, uses the Bible, uses God's word, uses the understanding of helping people live in a way that pleases God. Here is how God has asked us to live. How can I help you live that way? Okay. I want to be a servant. How can I motivate you? And how can you motivate me to live in a way that pleases God? Okay. And so all the gifts were for that essential purpose. Um, and so, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, um, uh, 9 through 15 is another way to show this same understanding. So as we keep going down in our article, um, all right, now we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, 9 through 15. 
Mm -hmm. I'll read that for you guys. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds upon it. Let each one take heed how he builds. For no other foundation can anyone lay than what is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as through fire. So again, we make the analogy of this, the parable of the talents. Yeah. We have a servant here, right? We have a, uh, a choice on how to build, on how to invest your talent, mm -hmm. on how to be a good steward of what God has given you. And then that will be tested. And the master who returns will reward those who have done a faithful job in building his church. And so we have another example. You know, what's interesting about this, I've read this passage multiple times, um, both in our Bible studies and separately. And I didn't catch until you were reading it that, that basically that God, Paul and God has laid the foundation, right? So the, and, and, it, and it, so, concrete's already there he's talking about building on top of that with whatever you're going to choose to build onto it right with gold silver precious stone hay wood straw right so as a builder it's you know hey we got the we got a concrete foundation there are we going to build up on that a house made of stone of blocks we're going to be able to a stick frame house are we going to build a house that is you know going back into the 80s or 90s the tire house with uh with you know straw and everything pushed in that what kind of structure are we going to build on that foundation? It, it, I don't know why. It just never occurred to me until just now that, that we're talking about what's the, the structure on top of that foundation. We're not talking about the foundation itself. And I apologize if everybody else out there is, is listening, at, you know, screaming at their, their iPhone right now going, Robert, you're, a, you're an idiot. It's a set foundation forever. <laughs> I apologize. And Robert's a builder, guys. Robert's a builder. <laughs> you know, but okay. this, this thing's always meant to me that we were trying to establish a foundation that God was going to build on for us. I don't know why this phrase, this this passage always meant that the foundation part of this work was my work and that God was building something on this, but that we're, yeah. but God's yeah. laid the foundation and we're building on it, right? Um, it, it opens up the whole dynamic of good works and faith works, you know, and, and we have some articles, we have some uh, podcasts that will be coming up about the, the difference between good works and law works and how the Bible addresses both of those. Mm -hmm. And so this is the good works that we are to perform. We are to build on the foundation that Christ has laid and That's... be careful how, how you build on that. And that's both you know, externally the, and internally and externally, right, Keith? I mean, that's 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 not just Amen. You know, because yeah. a house doesn't just have a building; just doesn't have an inside. To build an inside, you have to have an outside, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. I always liken that to, you know, the Holy Spirit is the decorator who decorates the inside of the house. Once, once the solid structure goes up and he's the one that was meant to be inside, like mm-hmm. he's inside us and he's making a good heart. He's making a good mind, a renewed mind. And so that's what then comes out to others. We speak and it comes out of the heart. And so Jesus told some stories about that as well. But it was interesting when you were talking, my childhood memories kicked in and Little Red Riding Hood came to came to the forefront. So if you remember that story about the big bad wolf trying to blow down all the all the houses that uh, Little Red Riding Hood was hiding in. And if, you know, if it wasn't yeah. built solidly, right. then he was going to devour the pigs or, dev- you know, devour uh, uh, the ones that didn't build solid homes. It's the same here. The fire will devour the home that you built on the foundation of Jesus Christ if you chose to sit on your talent, not use it, use wrong teaching, you know, twist scripture, just all the other warnings in the Bible. Yeah. But the yeah. analog for for justification being that foundation and sanctification being the structure never struck me until literally moments ago. Yeah. So yeah, cool. God laid the foundation. Yeah. We were justified. That's the foundation. And then and now we are to build a structure on that foundation. And that's the being saved that we talked about, you know, several episodes ago in uh, in salvation uh, part two. It, it just with this, it just it uh, you know I, I don't want to berate my ignorance and and uh, or, or you know anything, but but this is the kind of thing that happens, right? When we study the Bible, we've studied these passages, we've read these passages over and over and over again, and sometimes something just goes pop. And that yeah. light bulb goes yeah. off and you just go, oh, wow, I didn't ever read it that way. You yeah. just had one of those yeah. for me. So. And right. we're going to jump right now down to First uh, Peter and, and kind of hit the word servant and stewardship. And we're going to come to a close with King David and his example. And we'll be, uh, you know, concluding this particular vidcast. But... Okay. You want me to read this one? Yeah, if you'd like to read that one. Absolutely. First Peter, uh, and, and in this, we're, we're jumping around just a little bit. So, you know, it's four, th- four one, and two, and we're going to jump over to 10 and 13 and then into 19. So this is a combined, uh, you know, there, there probably should be the, the little, what's it called, the little sick uh, indications where we've, you know, truncated some stuff. So realize that this is not the exact wording of four through 19, four, one through 19, guys. So. Um, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking for who has, whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, who one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves uh, 
as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that everything God may be glor everything in yeah, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange is happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So we wanted to, to let you see two different applications in these passages by Peter. One, of course, is, you know what? Each of you has received a gift to serve one another. All right. So to become a servant. Be a good steward of God's varied grace. Um, so we've we've gone over the purpose for the grace given to us. And then share in Christ's sufferings for this purpose. So as you go out to be Christ's servant, you will suffer. There are so many applications of suffering for doing the work of God as a good servant. And, and that's part of the cost, right? That's part of the cost of being a servant. And that, that's why it, it, it has been promised a reward. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, yeah. yeah I mean, when you're, you're not the boss, right? right? So those of us who have owned companies know that there's serious responsibilities when you are responsible for, you know, the, the, the families and stuff of employees, but there are also real freedoms in that as well right um mm. i get to make my own schedule to some extent i get to you know whatever it is um but when we talk about no matter who you are of being a servant to god you know you give up as an employee you do not get to set your own schedule for the most part you do not get to set your your workload you get to choose to go do something else if you want but if you've if you're as if you're truly committed to being a servant, in this case, you know I use the analogy. I you know we we, we nailed our our uh, our earlobe to to the door at IBM, right? If I'm mm -hmm. that committed to IBM, then what IBM tells me to do and go do, and whatever to IBM tells me to, to the corporate everything is is the corporate culture, the corporate mantra, the corporate message, the corporate everything. I just chose to do that. We're, that's what Paul's saying here, right? Is that you chose to do this. You chose to commit and become a servant of Christ. You are no longer in charge of your schedule. You are no longer in charge of um, your Facebook page. You know, what you say on Facebook, what you say in life, what your outward appearance is, needs to reflect your servitude to God. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and we'll go back to, to Billy Bean's comment. You know, do you believe in this? You know, do you really believe in this? And that is what you wake up to every day. Do you believe the words of God? Do you believe in the great exchange? Do you believe in the great reward? And, and with that comes a faithful race that we encourage one another and we're encouraging you right now to run. 
asking you to run as a faithful servant of Jesus Christ. And the last example that we are going to share with you, um, and you can read this online, you can read this on our website, in our articles, when we um, encourage you to do that, because there are quite a few verses that we skip over, and they're just uh, greater ammunition to um, support the points that we're giving you. But King David, um, you know, was a perfect example of the king to come. And so this is exactly what the angel said to uh, what Gabriel said to Mary, you know, he will sit on the throne of David. And so Jesus, King Jesus is our, is our king. And at the end of the race, when he comes back to set up his kingdom, just like King David, he will meet out his faithful rewards to his faithful servants. And so King David, all the passages that we've included there show how, number one, King David was a servant. He had a servant's heart. And he also rewarded all of his servants with positions in the kingdom. And he allotted those according to what he was given. And so it's the same understanding. Uh, the Old Testament is a type and shadow of things to come. And so we just provided that as more incentive for you yeah. to, to understand the race and to know what we're racing for. Yeah, King David is, you know, all the way up until Bathsheba was, was you know, was as good a, as good of an example, I think, as you as we could get, right? Um, so, guys, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, this is a uh, a multi-part series uh, on the the three parables in Matthew twenty-four and twenty-five. And so, next episode, we're going to get into sheep and goats and talk about uh, what the characteristics are of a righteous sheep and an unrighteous goat. Um, and, you know, we encourage you, as always, to interact with us. We are um, happy to uh, answer emails at info to rate, I'm sorry, info at race to the kingdom.org to respond to comments on our YouTube site uh, at race to the kingdom seven. And uh, we just, you know, we want to know that you're out there. We want to know that uh, we're providing content that is meaningful or, or honestly, if it's not, we, we, uh, if there's questions, we, Keith has sort of recruited me into this in a way that, you know, we're both committed to being here and, and being a conduit for the, the message of the kingdom of God and, and um, you know, we need you to be the recipients of that message. So um, if we can make this easier, if we can make this clearer, if we can do anything that makes that better for you guys, we are absolutely interested and looking forward to hearing from you about that. So having said that, if you have the opportunity to subscribe, once you do that, you'll get, uh, uh, notifications every time we post a new episode. If you have the opportunity to do a five-star review, that helps all of the computer and social engineering and social uh, 
they call it SEO uh, to, to identify out and help other folks find our podcast. And please just email your friends and say, hey, these, these couple of knuckleheads uh, will prefer to call ourselves Kingdom Dudes over at uh, racetothekingdom.org. They've got some interesting information. Would you read some, would you listen or read some of it and see if, uh, see if these guys have got anything going on? Um, bring your friends into this and you all be good Bereans together. So with that, we're going to wrap this up. Keith, say goodbye to everybody. And if you've got a, a brief prayer, I invite you to pray us out of this thing. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for listening guys. And, uh, heavenly father, we just, uh, praise you for your plan of salvation. We praise you for Jesus who came and finished his race and is seated at the right hand. And he is promised to come again and to bring his reward with him and to reward his faithful servants and give them positions uh, of privilege in the kingdom to come. And we just really want to be faithful in ushering in that kingdom. And we say to you, Lord Jesus, come. Come. Our world needs it. Our world needs it. We need it. And we can't wait for it. That's the hope. That's an anchor to our soul. So may we run well in you, Lord. May your grace be renewed every day. And may the power of your spirit lead us into the way everlasting. And we thank you in the name that is above all names, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brothers. See you on the next one. Thank you.